Good morning. Welcome, welcome one and all on this fine Sunday morning as we gather in the name of Jesus. For those of you who are worshiping online or on the telephone, uh, my name is Pastor Doug Baker, one of the pastors here at Community. And I want to start this morning by just offering my gratitude to my good friend, Pastor Trent, who has very graciously given me access to the pulpit for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, I came out of uh, serving in solo as a solo pastor in a couple different churches before I came to community. And so I was used to the rhythm of preaching every single week. In fact, at bedtime, I preached morning and evening every week unless I was on vacation, which only happened like four times a year. So I, I, I knew what it was like to preach every week. And then I got called here and my role is different, and I love being here. I love the different role, but I've missed weekly preaching. And so I said to Trent, is there a way that I could have access? Could I put together a sermon series and, and preach a little bit more than normal? And he says, yeah, of course, no problem. And uh, what do you think about Advent? And I said, Advent sounds great. And, and then we, you know, the exec team said yes, and the elders said yes. And so thank you to all of them. Thank you to you for giving me a chance to do this and put together a sermon series and for your prayers a couple of weeks ago when I had the uh, RSV thing and I was coughing and hacking and had a fever and everybody sent me home and <sighs> all right. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and we're going to spend some time together over the next several weeks in Advent. Uh, I won't be here every Sunday of Advent because here at Community, we have a lot of amazing preachers, and so we always have this rotation of, of preachers, three on, one off kind of thing, and so on the fourth Sunday of Advent, uh, there will be another voice here uh, because this is the blessing that God has given us, um, but uh, we will be together through the end of Christmas. Now, just in case you're worried about Trent, because um, he also has this call to preach, and now, like, oh no, what's going to happen? Uh, he's going to be on vacation for like the next couple of weeks. So he'll be in Florida. I think he's going to be okay. And then uh, he's going to get a chance to be with the folks in uh, Mosaic one of those Sundays. And so he'll, he'll, he'll get some opportunity to that, but he'll also get some rest. So uh, that's what we're looking forward to here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we're going to spend some time talking about Advent. We're going to start building something as we head toward Christmas. And that's what Advent is about. Advent is uh, from the Latin adventus, and it means com uh, coming, like something is coming. And because it's the Christmas season, because it's December, we know what is coming. Uh, it's Christmas. It is the, the, the presence of Jesus Christ. It is the incarnation. The light of the world is coming. See, Christmas is the celebration, and Advent is the invitation to the party. And so here we are, this first week, being invited to a party, and, 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 and we're going to kind of build up our way toward the Christmas celebration, this great party moment, this wonderful celebration moment when, when we celebrate when Jesus Christ came into the world, when God became flesh. But in the meantime, we spend this time eagerly awaiting that. I know, we, we know what's going to happen. This has been happening for 2,000 years. The story is pretty well known at this point. But still, it is healthy for us. It's good for us to anticipate, if we can, to, to spend some time in expectant hope, to prepare ourselves 
to be met by and to meet the light of the world. And so that's what this season's going to be about. We're going to be talking about a specific word, a theme each week that leads to that. And today we're going to begin with a word. Our word today is expectation, expectation. Uh, as we get into that, we're going to let God's word speak to us. The word of God for us today comes out of Luke chapter 21. And uh, Jesus is uh, speaking uh, to the people around him. And uh, as he's speaking, this is, this is what he says to them. He's, he's trying to lay a foundation for them to, to feel, to, expect, to, to, to experience expectation. Because he's already with them, he's thinking a little bit ahead. We're going to start at verse 25 of chapter 21 of Luke. Jesus is talking and he says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken, and at that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then he told them this parable. Uh, Look at the fig tree and, and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Grass withers, flowers fade, the word of God endures forever. Uh, Heavenly Father, your word is amazing and powerful, and when you speak, it is good for us to listen. Give us ears to hear. Tune our hearts to who you are and what you've revealed about yourselves. Show us what it is that you want for us in this season of Advent as we expectantly turn our eyes to Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this is a great passage to talk about expectation. Jesus is specifically uh, helping people understand Uh, to give them a vision of what would happen, what to expect when he returns as the lion instead of coming as the lamb. He's helping them uh, with a promise that there will be signs, there will be be clear indicators when the time is right, when God says it's time to send the son back as the lion of Judah, that we will know, we will see it when it comes, and, and you won't have to be surprised. And still here we wait, but we can wait expectantly. And the theme at hand here, I don't, want to t- I don't want to necessarily talk about what it means to wait for the second coming of Jesus. I want to talk about expectation as a whole. What does it mean to have hearts of expectation? To have a sense in us of expectation. What is a biblical understanding of, of expectation? Um, so often when we, when we use that word, we, we kind of separate the emotion from it. It's a cognitive thing for us. It's something that happens all up in our heads. You know, it's just like you anticipate something. Oh, guess whose birthday it is next week? Woo-hoo! 
You know, it's, it's like a simple thing we usually want to attribute it to, but expectation is way more than that. It's not just this mental exercise where you can mildly say, yes, I believe this certain event is going to come soon. It, it, it's, it's more, it's a deep in your gut's belief of what is true. It's a, a conviction and almost like a, a, a trembling anxiousness about what will be because you know it will be. You, you fully anticipate it. There's, there's no question deep, deep inside of you. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at as he paints this picture. He wants us to have expectant hearts, expectant souls, not just understanding a nice tidbit of trivia where we can objectively look at the signs and say, well, you know, this is happening in Israel right now, so obviously the second coming is happening soon. We, we know this. We can cognitively put it together. No. He wants people to feel it, to know it, to believe it, to live it, to have their worlds shaped by the expectation of what will come. Expectation is powerful, not just reasonable prediction of the future. It is a, a, a powerful experience because when you truly expect something, truly in your guts know it's going to happen, tremble at the idea of it, it shapes what you think, it shapes what you do, it shapes how you live. When you expect something, you believe it's true, down to the core of your being. Now, that means there's a certain kind of dangerousness to biblical expectation because, yeah, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we get it right. We expect these amazing things and, and, and it happens. We get it right. You know, there's babies due in nine months and so we get our houses ready and boom, there they are. And wow, does life change. Sometimes... Sometimes we get it wrong. So for Thanksgiving, Laura and I and our youngest, Matt, we went to Iowa to spend time with family for the holiday. And yesterday, Laura and I were coming back. And as we're cruising on home, the cruise is set. I'm, we're up on 196, so we're really close to home. I'm a little bit south of South Haven at this point. You know, you got the cruise control on, and you're leaning back, and you're enjoying the ride. You're kind of paying attention. You're doing your, your best, you know, because you don't want to crash or anything. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something moving, and it looked just like a goose, and I was sure in that moment that that goose was suddenly going to run out in front of the car, and I'm going 75 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, because that's the speed limit. And immediately I grab the wheel and I, my, my foot jerks toward the brake. And in that split second, what I realized, it wasn't a goose. It was the shadow of the car in front of me. The sun was going just right and it was on the, the guardrail and it was wiggling just right. And I thought it was a goose. I expected that goose to run in front of the car. Now, I've hit a pheasant before and it dented the front of that car. This was going to demolish our Subaru. I completely expected that. My whole world was like, I need to stop this car immediately. But it wasn't true. It wasn't true. It was just a shadow. Sometimes what we expect, sometimes our expectation is not reflective of reality. The Israelites, the Israelites believed 
they knew who the Messiah was going to be. As they waited expectantly, according to the promises of God, he spoke of the Messiah. He spoke of who was coming. And so they expected, they knew for sure that he would be a deliverer of vengeance and justice, that he would be a ruler of power and might, that he would be the one who would deliver them physically from the hands of their oppressors. They would be out from underneath the thumbs of those who ruled over them. Yes, this would be the Messiah. They expected it. Is that who came? Sort of. How many of them missed him? Because they really thought they saw that goose. See, just, just because we want to believe something is true doesn't mean that it is. Sometimes our expectations are wrong and then we miss what's actually happening. So what are you expecting when I say Christmas is coming? What does that do inside of you? You get a little nervous. You think about all the things you got to do. You think about the gifts that you got to get. Uh, I cannot get one of my sons to give me a Christmas list. I don't care how much I badger him. He will not. I'm starting to get anxious about it. It's going to be fine. But what are you expecting? What, what happens in you? Are you expecting time with family? Are you expecting certain baked treats? Um, my grandmother used to make pepper nuts every year for Christmas. And if you don't know what those are, you're missing out. Are you expecting gifts and decorations? Are you expecting your favorite radio station to get commandeered by Christmas music? that you like at first, but after about three weeks, you're like, ugh. Are you expecting loneliness or grief? Are you expecting to have to travel? Are you expecting to have phone calls with people that you love? Are you expecting to see folks that you know from other areas of the country? Or what are you expecting when I say it's Christmas? These are the things that rise up in us. These are the things that we hope to be true, that we expect to be true. But at what point do we stop for a moment and we go, wait a minute, Christmas is coming. It's, it's Christmas we're talking about here. Not just traditions and, and all the cool things that we like about it. We're talking about Christmas, that, that, that no matter what our circumstances are, are we expecting to celebrate light come into darkness? That no matter what, how we're, we're experiencing the struggles and the troubles of the world or the, or the things that are weighing heavy on us, are we expecting God to be manifest in our world? Because that's what Christmas is. When I say Christmas is coming, I don't mean the celebration and, and the family time. I mean, those are good things. I don't mean the, the trees in our houses and, and the candy canes uh, hung a line and, and the, the, the stockings on the, on the mantle. I'm talking about Christmas, the celebration that exists to mark the moment where we welcome the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Incarnate One into the world. Are you expecting that? That in the face of so much darkness, God did shine the light of the world? And not necessarily in the way that we think He should, but in exactly the way that He does. Do you expect that?
Because sometimes what we expect and what, what, what actually happens, we feel like they don't line up. I want to I read to you a moment. Like, when, when we're talking about the Messiah coming into the world, even the Bible gives us a story that does not line up. It doesn't line up with what everybody expected. It doesn't line up. It should boggle our minds. These are really weird stories. And it is the coming of the Messiah, and it's real. And we're so used to hearing them, we just take them for granted. But this is weird. I want to read a story. I'm going to read one story. Okay, this is from Luke chapter 1. That, that, that should, like, it, how is this Messiah? We're talking about the Deliverer. How is this? At that time, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth, uh, her cousin. And, and when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. See, Elizabeth was, was pregnant too. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. See, here are Mary and Elizabeth, and they meet these two pregnant women supporting each other in a very difficult time. How can that be the story of the coming of the Messiah? Why is the Bible telling this? to us about the Messiah. This, this doesn't actually make sense that a child born in a stable in the nowhere town of Bethlehem is a part of this story. How is that the coming of the powerful Messiah? That, 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 that the shepherds gathered as Mary soothed him when he cried, when it should have been all the kings on earth bowing down at the sound of his great cry. How is this the story of the Messiah? But it's exactly his story. It's exactly where he is. Expectations met unexpectedly. At the voice of Mary, the child in Elizabeth's belly, little John leaped for joy. Not even born yet. But look how impactful and powerful is the true experience of the light of the world. Even an unborn child responds to the presence of Jesus. What are you expecting for Christmas? I'm going to take the rest of our time together, and I'm going to tell you a story of someone who, by all accounts of his experiences in life, should have kind of given up on, the, on any hope at all. The circumstances of his life should have dictated that he would forever expect tragedy, that every year, every part of, like, how in the world could he have expectant hope? But his faith, his faith said to him, he, choose, he chose because of his faith to expect light to shine in the midst of darkness. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? A few of you, yeah. All right. So I've got a picture of him. He looks a little bit scary. 
one of America's greatest poets. He wrote the Song of Hiawatha. He wrote the Midnight Ride of Paul Revere. He uh, translated Dante's Divine Comedy into English. Like, this is this guy. He also, he was a prolific writer. He kept a detailed diary all of his life. So we know a lot about what he thought about day-to-day, every single day life. He also wrote a poem called Christmas Bells. We just sang that carol just a little bit ago. He wrote that. I want to tell you how he came to write that particular poem. It was in the year 1860. Longfellow was having a pretty good life at this point. He'd been married for several years to a woman named Franny. They had a few kids. Here's a picture of their family. He was becoming famous. He was getting pretty wealthy, and he was very happy because just recently, Abraham Lincoln had been elected president, and he was quite pleased about that. And then in 1861, it hit. April 1861. Guess what started? The Civil War. And if that's not bad enough, in July, just a couple months later in 1861, his wife was taking locks of hair from their daughter and sealing them in an envelope with hot sealing wax, which I don't have any clue why people would do that, but I guess that was a thing. Sent locks of hair to people that you loved or sealed them up for, I don't know, posterity. I don't know, it's weird. (laughs) And as she was doing that, suddenly, somehow her dress caught fire and engulfed her in flames. And Longfellow, who was sleeping, napping in the next room, was awakened by her screams, rushed to her aid, did everything he could to snuff out the flames and save his wife's life. He experienced severe burns on his face and in his, on his hands. And she died the next day. He was not able, because of his burns, he was not able to even make it to the funeral four days later which happened to be their 18th wedding anniversary. In fact, the beard that he was famous for was a a direct result of the fact that the burns on his face were so disfiguring. And in his diary, on Christmas Day that year, he wrote, how inexpressibly sad are the holidays. In 1862, uh, the toll of war was mounting, and in his diary for Christmas that year, just a year later, he wrote, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. And then in 1863, his son, who, against his father's advice, in fact, Longfellow forbade his son to go off to war, but his son did it anyway, as young sons often do. In 1863, his son, who was wounded in battle, returned home in December. And it was on that Christmas day that Longfellow sat down to try with this talent, this poet license that he had from God to try and capture, if possible, what does it mean to have hope and expectation at Christmas time in the face of what felt like 
everything in the world falling apart. And so he wrote these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet. The words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. See, as he wrote, he knew the condition of his beloved country. See, the Battle of Gettysburg had just happened a couple months prior. Days were looking dark, brother against brother, father against son. And he kept writing. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. He could, he could be writing for today. But he would not stop in hopelessness as his country was being torn in two as his son sat scarred and disfigured before him, as, as he grieved still the loss of his beloved, he turned his focus to Christmas, to the Lord. The answer for all despair to Jesus Christ, who is the light of day in the world of darkest night. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. The words of the angels who told the shepherds that Jesus was here. Now, that doesn't mean everything turned out immediately fine. The war raged on for 16 more months. The people of this nation would be changed for generations by the impact of such a difficult struggle, but the expectation of light in the face of darkness never changes. No matter how dark the night, no matter how bleak it may seem for the Lord to move as we wait for him, he does move, he does heal, he does deliver, he does save. The light is inevitable. Christmas will come. Yes? It is promised to you and to me. And it is often revealed in some of the most unexpected ways. The good news of Christmas is that in the midst of a great darkness there came a light and the darkness will not overcome him. It's not just a temporary flicker in a window on a snowy cold evening. It is an eternal flame, bright enough, sharp enough for even a child in the womb to see it and leap for joy. And folks, I know there may be times in this life that you feel like the light of the world is dimming, but the expectation of Christmas, the deep in your guts belief that Christmas is coming, that Jesus is here, affirms that whatever happens, the light shines forever. Blessed are you who have believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to you. 
we begin Advent this year with great expectations. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, you are faithful and you're unexpected. You, you move in amazing ways and we never quite know how it's gonna play out except we know that you are faithful and we know that we can count on you and we know that Jesus is the light of the world and no matter how dark it seems, his light overcomes. Turn our, our eyes, our hearts, our souls, turn our expectation, this, this trembling certainty of what is coming. Turn us to Christmas to Jesus and show us where our hope is from. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.